You're listening to Ignite Your Success, a podcast that inspires fitness professionals to build a strong business that enables them to serve more people and engineer the lifestyle they desire. It's Brad Shepard here, and together with Jason Yabanowicz, we're best known for running Trainer HQ, a community of passionate and profit-hungry fitness business owners that make a massive difference in others' lives every day. Each episode will unpack for you exactly what's working and deliver best practice strategies so you can confidently grow your business and make a huge impact. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Ignite Your Ultimate Success podcast. And today I am joined by the 2021 Trainer HQ Entrepreneur of the Year, Damien Beatdown Brown. <laughs> welcome, brother. Thank you, bro. It's good to be here. I've watched enough of them. It's nice to be a part of one. Uh, mate, you, you're looking forward to being on this, weren't you? Hey? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Always does a good job. There's lots of. Uh, Little cherries that come out of it, so hopefully nice. I can give some. Nice, that's good. Now, uh, mate, what's more rewarding? Just, just curious, you know, being featured on the podcast or winning the 2021 Trainer HQ Entrepreneur of the Year? Well, it's a hard decision because you're, <laughs> make, you're making me choose between you and you. Really. So, um, the Trainer HQ 2021 Entrepreneur of the Year is a good one. Yeah. It comes around once a year. Yep. But we yep. could do this more than once a year. True that. So True that. You'll have to go that one. There's your answer. Yeah. Mate, congratulations, by the way. Very deserved winner. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we've got a lot to converse about, um, many ways where we can take this conversation. And um, But first things first, if we, if we talk about the current, uh, you run BASE uh, Training Centre here in Brisbane. Um, can you tell us a bit about BASE, uh, where it's currently at, when it started, and kind of what, it, what, what sort of you offer at BASE? Yeah, so we're a mixed martial arts and fitness centre. Obviously, the premier mixed martial arts and fitness centre in North Brisbane. Nice. Um, And uh, we we offer everything from fitness classes um, to mixed martial arts, kickboxing, and jiu-jitsu. Yep. Um, The fitness classes, we don't tend to try to compete with the local gyms. There's a lot of them. Sure. Uh, But we offer them, and they've they've really taken off, predominantly for parents of kids. Yep, perfect. Um, so, yeah, that's what we offer. Uh, we started just under three years ago. Um, so it'll be three years in March. Yeah. Um, with the goal of hitting 100 members every year. Yeah. Uh, and, and if I butt in there, you've started from zero, right? Yeah. Like Canvas. Yeah, I wasn't PTing or anything. I was, I was yep. working for, for, um, gov- for the government and yep. competing in the UFC. Yep. And we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, that was just my opportunity. You know, I've thought about having a gym for about 10 years. Yes. And as we talked about last weekend, and um, and that was my opportunity to do it. And I, and I, I took the... I took it and ran with it. Took the plunge. Here we are. Yeah, there you go. So, um, and roughly, you know, two and a half, just over two and a half years down the track. Uh, where does it sit now? Roughly, how many people who have you got that come along or who are members of the gym? Yeah, man. I mean, we, we've hit our three hundred members. Yep. Um, some come, some go. You yeah. know, we're, we're coming up to Christmas. We're probably going to lose a, a big chunk of that. Most gyms know that around Christmas. Um. Not a big chunk, but we'll we'll lose a percentage. You know, there'll be there'll Christmas be some percentage. people there'll be some people that won't be there, but there's a good chance they'll come back and good and a whole lot of new people coming through. Yeah, you know, we build a product, people come back, they just have to go and save some money for the festive season and that's the way it is. Mm. Um but yeah, we've hit all our goals. Um we've exceeded our own expectations. We started in a small gym and within t- with inside the first lease 
we had to move. So yeah, uh, here we are. We're it's in seven hundred squares now. It's a good problem to have, isn't it? That one where you go, we've actually in that period of time of outgrown the original space. In that was in three hundred two three. Ye- two years, is it? Or yeah, less yeah. Than two years? Um, it was actually two years after I signed the first lease. I signed yeah. the second lease. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and it, and it was a three year lease. The f- the first one, so we had a little bit of shuffling around there, but yeah, we took the risk. Uh, and expected that the new place would grow enough in a bigger spot that yep. we'd be able to absorb that Beautiful. risk. Love it. I'm going to get to more of that shortly because there's a great story behind that, but I want to learn a bit about more about your background, mate, because um, it's highly fascinating. So, you know, if we go back to – you spoke about being a part of the UFC. I want to touch on that. But um, – I know that you're a military man as well. Um, so can you tell us a bit about your background? You know, what, what's your history and, and what got you into that? Yeah, well, here's something not many know. I'm actually a baker by trade. A baker? A there baker you go. By wow. trade. So I can make a good loaf of bread and a meat pie. Hello. Um, but yeah, so... What I, do, on just a side note, what do they put in the sausage rolls? Because I always learned it was lips and arseholes. Yeah, we can't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, it's lots of leftover bread yeah. and terrible meat. Yeah, meat, uh, meat mints, ordinary um, stuff. Eh? But if you season it right, people yeah, love it. Tastes bloody good, eh? Yeah. yeah. Um. So, it's um. I I left school to be a baker. That's my dad had a bakery, so it seemed yep. like a quick way out of school. Nice. You know, I wasn't bad at school. Pretty pretty reasonable education. Yeah. Um, Two a.m. starts was it or paid attention? Uh, when I first left school, I was sixteen. Yep. I was doing ten p.m. stuff. Ten p.m. Jesus. Ten p.m. to six a.m. Uh, I'll never forget. I was so wrecked. I fell in sl- in front of a fell asleep in front of a, a, a heater when I came home one day, and I woke up with blisters on me. That's how tired <laughs> I used to get. Um, yeah, it was it was rough being a sixteen year old smacking out sixty hours a week of night shifts. But yeah, you know you you did it. You adapt and learn. And uh, yeah. Anyway, and then I joined the military when I was twenty one. Um, yeah. I didn't really have any intention on doing it. Yeah. Um, my dad was military, but that was never part of my plan. Um, just had a, a few rough nights at work and thought I needed a new job. Yeah, yeah. Opened up the, the page of the paper and there's the double spread. Military needs you. And you're like, boom, I'm and in. So uh, I needed the military at that point in time <laughs> and they needed me. <laughs> that got you out of bacon bread. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I pushed my point with the recruiters and six weeks later I was at basic training. Yeah, fantastic. That, it was really quick, actually. So 21 years old, hey. What, what year was that, roughly? Um, I joined in 2006. 06. Yeah, yeah cool. So people can actually work out how old I am now. Thanks <laughs> for <guess> that. <laughs> Mate, looking very youthful, I must add. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Um, and, mate, I did my research, Afghanistan, 2007. Yeah, correct. So, yep. pretty young, man. Tell me about that experience then. Man, I was 22 years old when yeah. I went to Afghanistan. It was, it was, it was a crazy experience. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a lot of good and bad experiences over there sure um, one of the I, I got a few you know moments for me that that were like real moments they're moments that they make you realize that you're not in training anymore you know yeah um, so the first patrol we ever did was meant to be a day patrol they canceled it we did a night patrol yeah so we, we step off in the middle of the night it was just a it was like a, just a a walk, basically. Sure. sure. It's just nothing, just an intro patrol, you know. Step yep. off in the middle of the night, walk a K, yep. through the fields, sit on the edge of the green zone, walk back, go to sleep. Yep. And uh, that was literally the, the scariest, <laughs> scariest uh, 1K walk I've ever done. Wow. Nothing happened. Yeah. Um, but you're so on edge. Like, there's no complacency. Everything's at a heightened state. You're at war. 
oh yeah, yeah. you're like five cent 50 cent you know what i mean yeah and um you just I, I was scared you know it was it was it was a realization moment um and then i, I should backtrack just a little bit just the day before that patrol yep um so david pierce uh he he lost his life in a roadside bomb wow poppy pierce and um the day that I landed in Afghanistan, they they basically um, well they blew all the wheels off his his vehicle. They skull dragged it, what we call a skull dragged it back through the base. Yeah, I remember I just got there. We're doing some briefs in the briefing room, and we're outside for a ten minute break when the vehicle came past. Yeah, so there was that moment, and then the next day we're out and we're doing a patrol, and that was the second moment, and and yeah. that that was where it, I mean I did all the training, normal training, you sure. know everything they they do to prepare you for that. Yeah, um, we'd been to the staging base. We'd done kill houses, so live shoots yep. in in buildings and everything. And you know, it was like real because we were training for it, but it wasn't real. Yeah, yeah, it was real when you know that like you're there and you just you see a farmer and you're like that guy could probably just unload on me right now. Yeah, and um, so yeah, those two moments for me were defining moments. Yeah, um, and as a 22 year old, yeah, I can't imagine what it would have been like. You know, everything going on inside your mind at that point in time. Yeah, there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot going on, um, you know. But like they like I said, we prepare for it. Sure. We know what's going on. It's it's just a moment, you know, yeah. where you go, well, it's real now. Yeah. You know, so now we're on, mate. Thanks for sharing, and um, definitely thoughts go out to to those that have you know been in battle and given their life. It's uh, you know when you speak about it, hear about it, you you know the sacrifice that people have given. Very powerful. Um, mate, you uh, also I guess suffered from your experience. So would you mind sharing on that with us? Yeah, um, you know, I make no secret about it that I don't believe there's any soldier that goes to a war zone and comes back okay. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean that they all they all come back messed up. It just means that, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of reasons uh, and probably explanations beyond my pay grade, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Um, where there's hyper alertness, hypersensitivity, and everything else from trauma. Yeah. Um, whether that means I don't know, you got shot at once, and you now have a, a hyper alertness and a hypersensitivity to loud noises. Yeah. It, it just means that like that's not okay. Sure. Um that doesn't mean that um any of us are messed up or anything like that, but it certainly means that there's stress to a post traumatic situation. Yeah. Um so that's that's um I, I feel like that's a good thing for everyone to understand is just because people went over there um and came back and they're pretty cool doesn't mean like they sleep right at night. It doesn't mean that yeah. um you know, when the car backfires going down the street and they absolutely crap in their jocks. Yeah, you know, it, it, there's nothing wrong with that. It, it's just a physiological response to trauma. Yeah. Um. And even then, for for some people, it's not even trauma. Nothing could have ever happened, but you still sleep in a hyper alert state. Sure. Yeah. Um. So there's being able to adapt to that physiological response that's happened over a period of time in a heightened area mm. to have to come back to sleep in your king bed. In your lovely master bedroom suite. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, and so some people just never adjust from that. Mm. So, you know, I've had I've had my own my own demons and my own um, battles. Uh, I still have them to this day. It's been oh, it's been um, thirteen years since I came back. Yeah. Um, and thirteen and a half, and you know, there's still there's still moments that happen. You know, I still hear noises that I think sound like gunshots and yeah. and stuff like that. And it, it just, I don't think it ever goes away, you know. Yeah. Um, 
it's, it's, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's more about you've you know gone through the process, you've done the work to be able to understand it and know it for what it is. Yeah, it's just you know it's like anything in life. You yeah. know, um, for a veteran that sees a doctor, yeah, that's their coach. You know, that's yeah. the person that helps them put a management uh, plan in place and helps them to deal with the the trauma, which is otherwise just another incident. Yeah. So, um, I feel like that it's very easy to look at it and be like, that guy sees a psychiatrist. Or maybe to that guy, that's his coach. Yep, yep. That's that guy's life coach. Yeah, and he's yeah. helping him through the, the, the business that he needs to get through Yeah, it's um, getting, to, to have a good life. Yeah, it's getting your, your A-team around you, you know, putting yourself in that very best position to win personally in business, wherever it would be. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, yeah, that's, that's my experience. Yeah. Um, plenty more to it. but I'm sure, I'm sure, mate, we could dedicate a whole podcast to that and much more. Uh, above and beyond now on, coming out of there obviously you got a, you've also got a martial arts background so quite extensive in that and that started at quite a young age hey yeah, yeah, yeah. so i started um i started zendu kai which is a i guess like a, a form of karate yep um with a mix of sort of thai boxing and stuff in it originally started by bob jones yep um, remember it well po- popularized in sort of in the 80s it you know was. In, in you know remember brisbane here and the zendu kai boys were were definitely a lethal force <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> um well my original instructor ben hamilton he was um so bob jones like one of his top students yeah and he took ben over to thailand back in the day so when i was like 10 yeah ben was in thailand thai boxing um, and then coming back and they, they integrated some Thai boxing in with Zendu Kai and it yeah. really became a popular art back in the, I guess, the, the 90s. Yep. You know, really big. Um, it's still going today. I and know that there's still a lot of schools around that do it. Yeah. And you were like young, like you know, 10-ish when you got into that? or I was six when six. I started it. Yeah. Um, my parents or well, my dad moved to Queensland when I was 12. So yeah. I did it for about nearly seven years. Yeah. I uh, got a junior black belt. And that, that's sort of like the basis of my martial arts. Yeah, so, yeah. And yeah. Uh, by the sounds of it, many, many forms of martial art, which led you into the, you know, the famous uh, acronym UFC, which yeah. many people would know, acknowledge, recognise. Um, and I believe that your introduction to UFC w- came at the very last minute. So tell us a bit <laughs> about how you arrived in your first UFC fight. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, it's it's interesting that like there's a lot of hard work that goes on and there's a lot of um for the people around you they can't see your dream mm. there's a lot of doubt you know what i mean so even the closest people to you are like oh maybe you're never gonna make it sure and it's not yeah. that they don't want you to it's just that they can't see what you can see they can't it's not their dream yeah um so we we went through a long road i traveled the world i fought everywhere i fought anyone i never said no to anyone yeah um, and then I, I found myself on a uh, on a good win streak, yeah. <laughs> um, a few Australian titles, mm. and then the opportunity came because there was an athlete fighting on a UFC Brisbane card who um, who couldn't get his visa approved due to a criminal record, um, which was awesome for me, not for him, but <laughs> awesome for me. Yeah, opportunity um, arise. Yeah, and yep. I, I mean I was managing myself, but the promoter at the time. Um, who I had the belt for, he had a call from the UFC and they'd offered the fight to someone else. So mm. Nick Patterson. Yeah. Um, Nick Nick was, uh, he had uh, diabetes or something like that. And yeah. um, he just straight out said, like, there's no way in a week that I'm cutting 15 kilos. Yeah. He would have had all sorts of medical issues. Sure. So he's turned around and gone, 
no, I can't take it, which yeah. is really rare. Yeah. Most of the time people go, yeah, I can take it in this weight. They wear the fine, they get the win, they get a contract. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, because this we're talking the UFC, yeah. and if I understand correctly, this is your dream to be this part of it? all anyone fights for. Yeah. They want to yeah. be in the UFC, you yeah. know. Like, this day and age, there's a few other promotions that can pay you pretty good, but yeah. for the most part, the UFC is where you want to be. That's yeah. that's why you do it. Yeah, the gold standard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, so anyway, uh, Nick says I can't do it. Mm. Um, the promoter he goes I've got this other guy he's won five straight three yeah. belts yeah. four finishes and they went can he make weight he rang me <laughs> he goes can you make weight next um next Saturday and I was like what, what kind of question is that <laughs> and uh, he said yeah that's what I thought so I've already said yes for you uh-huh. I said alright cool <laughs> and then um, that was it and what did uh, you have to cut how much weight uh, 12.8 kilos 12.8 kilos in a week six days yeah yeah yep. um, so you know, there's a, there's a. I wish I knew now what I like then what I knew now. Yeah. Um. You know, I work with some of the best nutritionists now. I barely cut any weight these days. I yeah. mean, I do a cut during camps, but like my actual fight week is yeah is pretty you, insignificant. You haven't got to go through a rapid weight loss a, tr- a drop. Well, yep. I do the water thing, but I, I get down to you know pretty pretty good eight percent or something like that off weight, which is pretty standard industry yeah. standard. Yeah. Um. Not fifteen percent. Nice, which, no. which is crazy. But um, yeah. only have a Christmas, eh? Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> and um, so I was at work. I was working a day shift at the jail. Yeah. Um, just finished lunch, a couple of meat pies, <laughs> and uh, I'd find that even I'd, though you know what goes into them, you still eat them, eh? I'd actually given up hope. Well, I don't know what goes into those ones. Um, I'd actually given up hope. You know, in the sense that I'd fought four weeks earlier. I was like, I'll stay lean. Yeah. Hopefully I'll get a chance. You know, it's a couple of weeks away. I'm, I'm the best lightweight in the country at the moment. Yeah. Um, this is in the sport of mixed martial arts. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm the best lightweight in the country at the moment. Like, if they want a lightweight, I'm, I'm the man. Yeah. And so I kind of gave up hope a couple of weeks out. I was like, no, nah, it's too close now. Like, there's no way they're going to pick me up real, real late. Yeah. And so. That opportunity arose. I had pizza and watched Friday night <laughs> football, drank a couple of beers, went to work the next day. Had a normal lunch, did whatever everyone else would do. Yeah. And then the phone call come. Yeah. And um, the rest is history, you know. Yeah. We signed all the paperwork that day. Yeah. Uh, that night I signed the rest of it. The the guy who, although he wasn't managing me, essentially yeah. took on a management role to help me out. Yeah. One of, one of the best guys in the business, if you ask me. Yeah. Never took a cent off me. I did it for the love of the sport. Yeah. Um, and to help people that, you know, um, to help people that deserved it, I guess. You know, yeah. he stuck yeah. his neck out. So um That's great. And that was twenty sixteen? Yeah. First fight. And how long did you spend in the UFC? How many fights and so forth? Um so I was in the UFC for three years. Yeah. I uh, lost the decision that night. Uh then I won two straight. I got a knockout on a pay per view card over in America. I was on the undercard to it, but um we got a first round knockout over there. That was me, me first ever full training camp without a without a job. Yeah, so that's cool. I worked full time my whole career. Yeah, um, fortunately for me, yeah. I had a I had a boss that was happy to work in as long as it didn't impact the company. Yeah, and um, you know, I switched some shifts around, took some leave without pay and some annual leave, and yeah, I got seven weeks without work, and all I did was train, train. And sleep. Yeah, it was the dream. It's like <laughs> it's like not only did I reach UFC, but now I'm just in a full time fight camp. So yeah, that's an experience that. Very few athletes, especially in mixed martial arts, ever get. Yeah. Um, you must have been pinching yourself, eh? It, it, it was honestly like I got nine hours sleep every night. Yeah. I trained six hours a day. Yeah. I did cryotherapy, float tanks. Yeah. 
you know, like all, all the good stuff <laughs> every day, you know. This is in the States. This was here. Oh, this is in yeah. Australia. Gotcha. And then, yep. But I fought yep. in the States. Yep. And then I flew to America only three kilos off weight. Yeah. Like it was an absolute dream. I, I never had any stress in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, that was that was easily the best the best part of my career. Yeah. Was experiencing all of that for the first time, flying to America. Yeah. Um, three days before that first round knockout, my wife rang me and told me we're having a baby. Yeah. Like literally, it's, it's <laughs> like everything happened in one yeah. at once. In flow, know? in the yeah. flow. And then yeah. I won again, and then yeah. um, I got knocked out in New Zealand. The yeah. UFC re-signed me, yeah. and I lost a couple of split decisions, and that's that was the end. But yeah. um, three years, six fights. How cool. Fight of the night in Sydney. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. And back to that, what you mentioned about that whole journey, that process of preparing the dream run that you had. Once again, you obviously like the competitive nature of it. You love the fight, all that part. But by the sounds of it, it's all, all about the journey and going the whole experience that you had. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for, for me, like, you know, wins and losses, I don't have, like, the most uh, – unblemished record or anything like that but sure i've got some great experiences yeah um you know i've fought in london yeah uh ireland jordan new zealand america japan macau yep. malaysia i mean i fought everywhere I've, I've seen so many things that so cool i otherwise wouldn't have seen and they were all paid for trips yeah so good and my, my understanding was also during your fight career you also went through a time um, correct me if i'm wrong where you were maybe you know, the, your mental game wasn't as strong as, as it could have been. Good research. Yes. Good research. <laughs> that was good. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, I have two people to really thank for getting me out of that. So yeah. I, I'd lost four fights in a row. I was 10 wins, eight losses. Everyone knows UFC is not picking up a guy with a 50-50 record. Yeah. Um, and I went to a sponsor of mine, um, Again Faster. Yep. Good guys. Check them out. Great guys. And... Um, the owner of a game faster said to me, he he noticed that you know maybe my demeanor wasn't wasn't where it, or my confidence wasn't where it should be, and he yeah. said, before you're done, do me a favor and talk to this guy. Mm. And I was like, yeah, cool. Who is it? Mm. And it was a guy that was working with some um, CrossFit athletes yep. over, overcoming some anxiety and pre-competition nerves and whatnot. Yeah, and really, he wasn't a sports psychologist. Um, he's an ex-police officer. Sean O'Gorman. Yep. Soggy. Soggy runs Good a strong man. life project. Um, literally one of the best humans you'll ever meet. Yep. Um, and the best thing for me was he's experienced his own problems. Yeah. And he's then giving people the tools to get through theirs based off his experiences. And yeah. so for that, we really connected. You know, he's an ex an ex dog squad. Yep. Police officer. Yeah, amazing um, story he's got as well. Next infantry. Yeah. And we really just um, connected very well. Uh, and I was coming off four losses. And then I, my next fight, we worked together every week for about four months. Yeah. And afterwards, he said to me, How did you feel? How did you feel the day before? And how did you feel before it? Yeah. I said, Man, I'd never ever dreamed of competing feeling like I'd never lost before. Yeah. It was odd, and I still can't tell anyone what he did. Yeah, except for changing my way of thinking. Yeah, and one of the best phrases that I took out of it to always use as a like a a reminder was what anyone else is thinking about you is none of your business. Mm -hmm. And I know his people have said that across the world, but he said it to me at the right time in my life for me to let go of 
my anxiety over what people thought of me, yep. what people were thinking of me wanting a photo with them, what people were thinking of what I post on social media, what people were thinking of my four losses, yeah, uh, what people were thinking of if he loses a fifth time. It allowed me to let go of all that. And um, I had one hell of a performance. We put on a fight of the night. I broke my hand in the first round. Yeah, I was fighting Shane Young, uh, who's now in the UFC as well. Mm. And... Um, yeah, I, pick, I picked up a decision win. Yeah. Um, and that started a five-fight win streak. Wow, And then I cool. signed with the UFC. So yep. I was literally going to walk away. Yeah. I also told my wife at that point in time, if I lost again, yeah. I was done. Because yeah. to get to the UFC would be the only goal. Yeah. If it got too far out of the way that it was going to be a few years or 10 wins in a row to, to balance the record up again, then yeah. it, to me that was... Uh, that was a waste of time. So good. Love so, it, man. And yeah. sorry, excuse my ignorance because I didn't do my research on this part. You're saying this all happened prior to UFC and the UFC come on the back end of getting coming out of that. Yeah, I said wow, to my so wife, cool. I've lost four in a row. If yep. I lose again, my yep. record's done. Yep. I'm done. Yeah. And she said, uh, as long as it's your decision. Sure. And I was like, yep, I'm, I'm happy with that. I was content at that point in time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Gino from Again Faster said... Uh, Go and talk Just to this guy. Just have a chat. Have a chat. Have yeah. a chat. Yep. If nothing comes of it, nothing comes of it. Yep. And uh, yeah, we went on a five-fight win streak with four finishes. Yeah. And um, signed with the UFC 14 months after starting our, yep. our working together so relationship. Good. So good. Shout out to Soggy. Shout out to Gene from Again Faster. Uh, check out their brand. That's amazing. Mate, lo love the story. So good. What I love about it, there's a couple of bits that I take away. If, if I relate this stuff back to business immediately, you know, you're a successful business owner, that a comment that you made, like one thing we say to people, you know, when they're setting their personal training rates, when they're setting their membership fees, when they're having a price increase, any of that sort of stuff, uh, our mantra is that, you know, you as, a, as the business owner, the person who's going to set the rates, the fees, you've got no right to decide what someone will or won't pay for your service. Right, it's not up to you to decide, it's up for them to decide. And you've got no right to think for other people. So what happens is people go to set a rate and go, I'm not going to charge 80 bucks because uh, this person might not be able to afford it or whatever. Or if I want to put my rates up from 80 to 90 bucks, uh, what are they going to say? Well, they think I'm greedy or money hungry or any, any of that sort of stuff. And you know, the, the lesson from us as a business is going, look, it's not up to you to make that decision, it's up to them. And so what I heard from that, same thing from a psychological point of view, it's not, your, not up to you, <laughs> it's like cut that stuff out you know so yeah. the other part is getting the right uh, team around you because to build your business to the level you've built it what are uh, you know we find is a really great quality of yours that we've witnessed you've worked personally with my business partner with jason um and he's spoken about this along your whole journey uh, with us at trainer hq from day one you've invested in help uh, in coaching and mentoring and getting the right people around you so can you tell us a bit about that part and, and why it's important to you um for a number of reasons. I mean, hindsight's a beautiful thing. Uh, I've got family, particularly my dad, who went through a lot of, um, you know, he had his own business. He always yep. wanted his own business. Mm. Uh, he went broke, uh, not for his own fault. Sure. But um, he was more taken advantage of than anything. Yep. Uh, I don't, don't want to share too much of his story, but I was old enough to understand that. I was old enough to understand um, his, his experience, how it happened, how it could have been avoided mm. um, for him to talk to me. Like, I mean, I was 16. I was, for him to talk to me about what he could, could or couldn't have done, what he mm. should or shouldn't have done. So there's there's hindsight and experience. And then there's just the fact that 
you know, I just believe that without people around you that know how to do the things you don't know how to do, mm. you'll never be able to do them properly. I mean, we started all, we see it all the time with businesses that go, they create their own logo. Yeah. You know, I yeah. Mean, it's 300 bucks. Yeah. And the difference. You're not a graphic designer, people. It's like, you know I mean, <laughs> the, the, the difference in what you get for 300 bucks compared to what you can deliver in an hour yeah. is insane. Yeah, that three hundred bucks is someone sitting there for three hours making sure the line's right on your poster. Yeah, yeah. so um, it's for for me, it just does doesn't make sense to try and do the things that I don't know how to do. Yeah, um, it takes so long to learn something that it just doesn't seem like it's a a sensible, profitable option. Yeah. Um, so I just decided that I was going to surround myself with people that could do the things that I a didn't know how to do, mm. or b don't want to do. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to do some things. You know, I want to coach people. I want to run a business, but that yep. doesn't mean that um, I want to design posters or I want to take photos or. That's right. Sometimes I don't even want to post on social media. Yeah. You know what I mean, so it's like if you can find people who have a passion for doing the things that you don't have the passion to do. Yep. Who are way better than you, most yeah, likely. Way better. <laughs> then that means your entire business model has people who are passionate about those areas. Yeah. Um. So there's that, and then there's just. You know, getting getting coaching to to hone in on the skills that you love and want to do. I'm interested in business. Yeah. Um, but having people that can coach me through business. Yeah. Because I'm passionate about it. So they give me the tools to get through that. Yeah. And that, ladies and gentlemen, if you you know, that's what we refer to as the entrepreneurial mindset. That that's it, you know. And so we've got a saying in the office, everyone's probably heard of uh, Richard Branson, you know, owner of the Virgin Empire. It's like, you know, when there's a mundane task or something and it's it's okay to do these things, but lo- long term go, okay, I'm not sure if Richard Branson's sitting around doing this, or I'm not sure if he's the guy to be doing this stuff, you know. So it's like, how do we get the right people around us? And, and I love it. Um, you had a, shared a story with me about a bill that you just paid also. So <laughs> uh, because business changes and, and it grows and, and what w- would have been overwhelming back in the day suddenly becomes the norm. You want to share that with us? Yeah, business is scary, man. <laughs> it's, um, so, well, I've, I've got – well, we, I shared the whole thing. So I have a, a friend of mine who is a lawyer. Oh, I can't remember what the, how the conversation came around, but I believe it would have been something to do with, um, you know, leasing or something like that. And I said to him, oh, man, but it's $50,000. Yeah. And he said, <laughs> he said, that's the new five grand. Get used to it. <laughs> and I was like, what? And then, you know, basically he explained to me that the further we go through life and the bigger our business gets, the more the old 500 bucks becomes 5,000 and 5,000 becomes 50,000. Yeah. And 50,000 scares you as much now as 5,000 did, did when you were 22. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> you have to get used to growing and you have to get used to what comes with growing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the example on, on a bill was I just paid a $38,000 rent bill and I messaged my wife and said, I just paid a $38,000 bill. Do you remember when we were getting personal loans that big? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's funny to look back and go, I used to borrow that much money because I couldn't afford my bills and now I'm paying a $38,000 bill. So yeah, it's kind of crazy how life comes around. But again, it really does come back to that you know, the, the bigger your business gets, the yeah. bigger your bills get. Yeah. Um, and that's a sign of 
in my opinion, that's a sign of success and yeah, growth. Yeah, and growth and, you know, it comes back to tax, all the rest of it. So those of you who are, you know, paying tax bills, hey, happy days, it means you're making profit. And, you know, we had a mantra in the office here, this was a couple of years ago when we were looking at the amount of money that we were paying out in, in, in tax to the government and so forth. And it was, it was a significant amount and it was like, oh, this money that we're handing across and... You know, there was a form of, I guess, resentment towards it because it's, you know, you're taking it in and then you're just handing it away. But um, then when we changed the mantra and then we're going, well, what do we get to do? Well, we get to live in this beautiful country. You know, we get to, to have roads and, and schools and hospitals and this amazing way of life. And we're contributing to that and we're the people who are at, at, the, at the forefront of that. So once we changed that and, and the, the, you know, the, the wording, the language you put up on the whiteboard, it, it, was, it was a whole mindset shift. So, you know, that for us was really poignant. Back to business now, um, another part for you is that like we talk about the McDonald's formula in business and you know most people know McDonald's to have the best systems or be renowned to having the best systems in the world. That's why they've got pimply-faced teenagers running a multi-billion dollar organisation. Shout out to all the, the Macca's workers out there. I've been one myself back in the day. But the other McDonald's formula is that McDonald's, yeah, well, they, they have a great business model, but not only that, what do they own? They own a bucket load of property. And so what have McDonald's been famous for? Not only building these successful models, but more importantly, buying the property where they locate the restaurant. And so what that means is that they get to also experience the capital growth in the property, get to own the property and all the rest of it. And you, my friend... Congratulations, by the way, have just done the McDonald's formula of purchasing yeah. the business. So tell us about that experience. <laughs> yeah, look, you know, um, again, that was business advice yep. from someone else. Um, we're, we're still, we're like right on the verge of it. We're, we're going through the process. It's, it's very um, tedious and yep. long. Yeah. Um, but it, but, but it's, a, it's like it's a definite, it's a done thing. It's just, it's just a time thing. Yes. Council. Council. Oh, they, yeah. They, they're not. Yeah, council. Not um, the most fun to deal with. Yeah, so yeah. Anyway, but we are going through that process and in a matter of weeks that'll mm. be done. Um, but what, what's, what for me um, is important is that I don't rent someone else's business for the rest of my life. Mm. Um, like I, I don't rent their shed. I don't want to retire someone else. Mm. Um, well, who you're paying rent to now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you, yeah. So now um, for me, uh, the advice I was given was if you can't buy the building inside the first term of your lease, then you've done something wrong. And I was like, fuck, that's a lot of money to try and make. But was there also one part of the brain that went challenge accepted? Or <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I'm a competitor. So, um, so yeah, anyway, that was my goal. I signed a three-year lease and I wanted to buy a building, whether it was that one or another one within the first term. Yeah. Uh, we moved inside two years yep. um, and we moved with an option to purchase mm. and we exercised that option to purchase immediately. Wow. So essentially uh, I was um, in a position to purchase a premise, yeah. uh, premises within – Two years. Two years, um, fantastic. Double the size of where you started, like 700 and... We went from 315 to 705 or 704. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we've got office space and consult rooms and stuff now as well. So yeah. So we we basically were in a position to buy a building mm. that was good enough for the rest of our business life. Yeah, um, great. Not just one that we had to buy, sell and buy something else. Yeah. So, yeah, that was... And that was the goal from the start. Um, again... Props to my dad, taught me this lesson because he mm. didn't do it. 
Yeah. Um, spoke about buying a building that his business was in for probably 15 years and yeah. never did it. Yeah. I'm sure he's regretting it now. Uh, but we as kids should always learn from our parents' mistakes. Yep. Um, and uh, and so I just was like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I've seen him have it. He's still got the business now. It's been gone for 20 years. And, yeah. And uh, he would have owned the shed twice over. So, you know, I just don't want to be in 20 years' time, look back and go, I should have done it. Mm. And so that was right from the get-go was one of my goals. Yep. Um, so now I'm paying my mortgage off. <laughs> Love it, man. So good. It's a great story. And once again, it just it, it, it's all these things. And then this is for, for us, you know, we have a really tough choice every year when we're awarding an Entrepreneur of the Year so many different criteria come into it. You know, there's obviously revenue, profit. There's all the the the, um, the figures and the stats and the data and so forth. But then we get down to the other parts and going, who has, you know, in our opinion, put themselves in that position and and put in the entrepreneurial stages in business, you know, getting the right people around and building the right team, building the right support network, putting the right systems and structure. And so it's all those things. And for, for all of us in business, like there's always going to be the next bit that you're doing, the next bit you're working on, the next bit of improvement. But we go, you know, f- from that perspective, that's that's these are all the things that contributed to that. So it's, yeah, it's super cool. Um, the other thing that we looked at in your business is that, you know, you're very big on on uh, giving, helping and looking after people and one of those being veterans uh, yeah. you look after. So, you know, tell us a bit about that that part as well. Um, so we decided, uh, you know, Queensland Corrections is not really a, a frontline kind of job, I suppose, to most people. It's not police, ambulance, military or, or fire and rescue. Yeah. Um, but... Because I was working for them and it was close to close to my heart, um, we decided both veterans QPS, QAS, QCS, and QFES would all get a twenty percent discount. So basically, the the five main jobs for me that would experience day to day trauma, mm. um, people at the front line, yeah, people yep. that would experience trauma mm. at all times, have a certain control and restraint component to their employment, um, or some kind of security risk. Now, before any nurses get upset, I realise that they're faced with that as well. Yeah. Um, because I've upset one before. Um, but we decided that we would give twenty percent off uh, all of for all those people off our membership. Yeah. Um, which is you know a pretty decent price for veterans. They spend a lot of time away from home, so mm-hmm. one of the biggest blocks for them to join a gym is they probably pay more to not be there than they do to be there. Mm. So we put their memberships on hold for free. Mm. Um, for anything that if they're away for anything that exceeds a couple of weeks. Sure. Um, so, you know, we might have 20% of our member base that's on hold at any period of time. Um, mm. Well, that's difficult for business. Mm. Um, that's a small price to pay for what those guys have to go through. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we decided to do that. Um, and we have a plan and have started to implement that plan to provide like a holistic sort of approach to to veteran health Mm. Um, and everyone in general but obviously being a veteran it's quite close to my heart Mm. Um, so we have a physio that can service uh, veterans affairs um, clients so ex-servicemen or current servicemen Mm. Um, and we work with some other medical professionals who based on referral systems we can get jiu-jitsu and stuff like that covered yeah to try and provide an outlet for those guys so one of the biggest things I've ever experienced as far as PTSD and trauma goes is you need to put yourself in a position where you can um, you can 
take yourself away from whatever's going on in your head. And mm. The only way to do that mm. is, in my opinion, is to create some kind of uh, direct threat mm. that's not really a threat um, or put yourself in, say, exercise um, that's at such an intensity level, intense mm. level, mm. that it forces you to think about the moment. Yep. Um, so whatever that may be, some guys like fishing. Yeah. I mean, but for me, when I'm fishing, I get bored and I start thinking <laughs> about things. Yep. Um, so the, yeah, when there you was a police trauma course where, um, and my coach told me this, where they they said that if you exercise three times a week at a intensity level that forces you to think about the moment, yeah. then that was good to deal with trauma. Yeah. Um, and I believe the same thing comes from jiu-jitsu. You got a, a direct threat. Yeah. It's in your teammates, so they're not there to hurt you. Yeah. But it is a threat and you need to focus on it. And that's the best escape that you can get. Yeah. So um so we try to lower our, our membership rate and provide an environment that's supportive and um productive uh to help those people get into a sport that builds a community and a support network. Um for a better mental health. Yeah, love it, man. It's it's all you know, just forms part of your mission. It's all part of what you guys do, and that just that just rings through. So anyone has the pleasure of getting to meet D Brown here, I guess that that rings through in terms of his personality, his ethos, and so forth. So, yeah, it's super cool, mate. There's a lot of people out there who probably want to do what you're doing, right? Or aspire to have uh, you know on some level what you've achieved in business. What's um. You know, what's something or one or two things that you might recommend someone who's aspiring to, you know, build their business or go down that path or some, some advice or some things that you've picked up along the way that you might have advise others on? Um, I would say take your time. Mm. So it's nice to have what you want in 10 years now, but it's not going to happen. Mm. So I think take your time. I mean, I can't count the amount of night shifts that I spent drawing floor plans on how my gym was going to look before I had a building. Yes. I'm just fortunate enough that I got a rectangular building because that's how I drew all my pictures. <laughs> um, so take your time, plan properly. Yeah. Um, outsource. So surround yourself with people that can do the things that you A, don't want to do or yep. B, can't do. Yep. Um, and uh, have fun. Mm. Have fun. Yeah. My business is the most stressful thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> and, and that, and that, like that includes like going overseas and every like business is is a highly strong stressful environment for me but um there's not a day goes by that I'm not having fun yeah um and my members they all know that as well yeah you know, they they're part of um they're part of my fun so like I run a business and that's all stressful. When I see them, it's yeah. as good for them as it is for me. Yeah, yeah, so that's your outlet. That's yeah. where you get to enjoy yourself and yeah, so fulfill plan, your mission. Yeah, plan and yep. surround yourself with people that can help you do the things that you aren't necessarily the best at. So as you can focus on the things that you are good at. Yeah. Love it, man. Love it. So good, so good, mate. We could talk all day. I could, I could, you know, every single one of these, like I said, is could be a separate episode. But, mate, you're a very busy man, and I want to thank you very much for, you know, donating your time because I know how valuable this is on many levels to everybody. So, if someone wants to, you know, get online, check out the your location. Where are you? Where can they find you? Where where, where can they follow you? Um, if you just want to have a chat, which I'm always open to, being a veteran, me inboxes are always open. Um, but at Beatdown155, so that's the handle on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. Hey, um, nice. And uh, Or you can just check out my gym on Facebook and Instagram, which is at Base Training Center. 
at Base Training Centre. Yep. Cool, man. So good, man, and um, beautiful location. We're going to be out there soon actually doing some filming. I believe the plan is that, um, you know, me and Brad Davis are going to try and take on Jace uh, um, in some sort of... <laughs> In some sort of tournament. But anyway, we'll, we'll get to that bit later. I don't have my space. <laughs> <laughs> but, mate, I want to thank you very much. And, yeah, congratulations on your success and, and here's to the future. So thanks again, sir. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for having me. And, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Damien Beatdown Brown. Thank you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> that was awesome.